animation fans, and welcome to another iAnimate podcast. I'm your host, Larry Vasquez, and you're listening to episode 72. In this episode, we have Ricky Wood joining us. Uh, Ricky is a principal animator over at People Can Fly. Um, he's worked on such titles as Heavenly Sword, DMC, Devil May Cry, Just Cause 3, and 4. Um, we're really looking forward to speaking with him. He's also one of our game instructors here at iAnimate, uh, teaching in our Games Workshop 3. Um, co-hosting me in this episode is Rick Arroyo. How you doing, buddy? Very good. I can't wait to share all this great news with, with uh, our fans out there. Awesome, man. Now, before we jump in with Ricky, you've got some announcements to make. Yes. Yeah, so we've been working really hard for, for the community. We uh, opened up a bunch of workshops for the European uh, time. So if anyone is in Europe, uh, you know, we got a few uh, spots that will really accommodate you guys in, in Europe and in, you know, Western and Eastern Europe. Um, just a reminder that all our workshops are recorded. So even though some, uh, you know, if we do get into a class that is not always the ideal class time, you can always watch the, the recordings, you know, from home, in bed, or at your desk, at work, or anywhere you are. So just keep that in mind. And uh, also, you know, something I wanted to remind everyone, I know I've been super busy and I wanted to still remind everyone that it's 2020. If you have big goals, now's the time. Like, so, you know, focus on you. Don't forget that, you know, everyone put a goal out there. Don't forget it. Focus on you, focus on your career. Keep, uh, keep learning, keep an eye on, on the industry. It's, it's growing, there's some big things happening. Uh, last thing is, you know, there's more things. I've been working on a few things and big things are coming. Uh, so, you know, stay, uh, stay tuned, keep an eye out on our Twitter page or LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn and Instagram. And if anyone has questions or need a little, uh, you know, wants me to help them with their being accountable <laughs> with their learning, trust me, I have no, I have no problem helping you. Um, you can always reach me on Twitter and LinkedIn and Instagram. So, you know, April is, is going to be a, a great, a great block. And uh, I want to make sure everyone uh, stays focused on making this year a great year as a, a you know, potential stepping stones to where they're going to go next. Fantastic. Um, looking at Ricky's uh, demo reel, <laughs> amazing, amazing. Yes. Uh, some really cool works. I'm looking forward to jumping in this conversation with him. No, let's do it. All right, man. Ricky, uh, I always like to thank my guests, and I don't do that because uh, it's cliche. I do appreciate your guys' time. I know people like listening to these things. There's always, um, you know, nuggets or uh, insight that people can gain from it. So we do appreciate you guys joining us, and it's neat to get professionals in here to talk about the industry that we love. So thank you very sure. much for your time. Thanks for asking. My girls are currently upstairs having a blast, so I'm here quiet. I have plenty of time awesome. <laughs> to chat today. <laughs> Um, as we kind of briefed up beforehand, you're in New York right now. You're from England, Europe. Uh, yeah, I'm specific. from south of England. Okay. I've been in the U.S. for five and a half years now. And um, yeah, that's been a, a process. But now we're here and here for the long term. Really enjoy it here. Both have good jobs. So my wife and I. And uh, yeah, just super excited for the future of what, what's lined up for us. Fantastic. So how did you get into animation? Yeah, so I, I always love to draw. I know that most animators kind of start with that. Uh, I never stopped drawing. That's what I always thought that I would continue doing for the rest of my life. Wanted to work for Disney. And uh, my plan was kind of clear from when I was 10 years old, pretty much. <laughs> I was drawing characters literally on my bedroom walls. My parents, <laughs> thankfully, were okay with that. 
uh, kind of encourage the art. I think some families can uh, push back on it, but thankfully my, my parents always enjoyed the arts and uh, encouraged that. So I got a lot of freedom to just explore that side. And as soon as I could, basically in high school, I opted to do art full time. I think it's maybe a bit different in the US, but in the UK, you can do that. And so that's what I did. And there was a portion of the course which enabled me to specialize in whatever I wanted. It was a very open course. Mm. So I chose animation and I had to set the criteria for on which I would be judged. Uh, yeah, this is prior to going to university and I was already able to explore animation. I was learning about painting on cells and uh, just bouncing balls and I got the illusion of life and started to you know, try and learn from that as early as I could. Uh, so then the, uh, the summer break came before I started university and I picked uh, Southampton Solent. I think they have a different name now, but it's, no, I think it's called Southampton Solent University, something like that now, but it was the Arts Institute back then. Mm. I didn't think they had university status. But I picked that course because they allowed you to, again, pick the kind of animation you wanted to do. And I wanted to specialize in 2D animation. So I thought, great, I'll do that. And you got to make a short film at the end of it. Uh, and it wasn't one of these courses where you had to all jump in together. You had to do it by yourself. And I think back then I liked that idea. Felt like I would learn a lot more needing to do every aspect of it. And yeah, my dad kept on telling me <laughs> throughout the course, you're never going to get a job. 2D animation is going out the window. <laughs> <laughs> so supported like, you but was honest, huh? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this was 2000, so I started two, yeah, year 2000, and it would have been 2001 that he started to really hammer home that message that, you know, I, I can't ignore it. I'm going to need to learn some computer animation. So in the second year I did, I started to mix CG elements with hand-drawn elements, mm. made a... I don't know, 40 second animation, something like that, of uh, some, it was like Greek gods, and they, they were all animated in 2D, but all the backgrounds were CG. So that way it was kind of a soft introduction. I wasn't rigging or anything like that at that point. Because uh, I, to be honest, I hated CG <laughs> back then. I had, I had no interest in, in doing, like sitting at a computer and clicking on a mouse. I just loved the sensation of the pencil on the paper mm. and the freedom that that allowed me to just dive in and start animating. With CG at the time, I was using what, 3DS Max 4, something like that. It was a whole process just to get to anything that you could work with. And I didn't know that process back then. So for me, it just felt like a, just where do I go? You know, the internet wasn't full of uh, awesome people to learn from. There were no courses, certainly like this one. It was just a barren landscape with a few resources here and there as hit or mess. So I just ended up making teapots and coloring them in and, you know, going, well, I'll stick to pencil and paper. Uh, that changed in the third year, though. I decided to dive in and uh, leave the 2D animation behind and make a fully CG short film. Uh, I spent the final year focused on that, 10 months uh, to create a whole short film. It lasted about two minutes, 40 and I did everything. I designed the characters on paper, um, but then modeled them in 3ds Max, rigged them. I think I found some website with some rigging tutorials, managed to follow it, because the, the teachers, they were, they were 
quite inspiring. Like they were very passionate about animation, but they weren't there to teach you computer animation. They were there just to teach you animation in general. So really I was learning through the process of trying out things. And a couple of my peers were also trying out computer animation. Um, they were a little bit more technical than, than I am. Uh, so I was able to learn from them as well and actually get it done. I did finish it. So I was quite proud of that. And, uh, cause it, it's tough, you know, I've tried to make short films since then and it's, it's really difficult to yeah. do on your own, especially now when I have a full-time job. But that short film back then is what helped me to, you know, get, get my showreel together and get my first job. Very so cool. Pretty much how it went. So what was one of your first gigs? Uh, so I, I, uh, I never, again, you know, say I never wanted to work in CG. I didn't want to work in video games either. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm loving everything. I'm like, I'm writing so much notes. Keep going. This is keep going. This is amazing. <laughs> so it's like when you're in the ocean and the ocean just kind of keeps pulling you. And before you know it, you're like, how did I get here? You know? <laughs> yeah. It was a good life lesson that you, know, you make plans and they never work out. So you need to be adaptable. Uh, I, again, I just kept coming back to that sensation of the pencil on the paper and the immediacy of it and being able to get things done quickly. So, and the detail that you could put in as well. I did start to fall in love with CG animation in my final year, to be honest, but I still had that desire to work in movies at the time because I felt like that was where I could really focus in on unique characters and just bringing a very specific um, feeling to the screen. That's what was really driving me at the time well still does actually but back then i thought that i could only achieve that in movies so i had a website at the time and a recruiter saw that website reached out to me and said uh i can help you find a job and i was like awesome which movie companies can you help me work for <laughs> oh yeah it's like, so well, yeah, yeah. So, sending me to disney <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I was like, well, I specialize in video game developers in the UK, so I can get you some interviews from video games companies. It's like, well, I don't really want to work in games. I, I'm more interested in movies. And he, you know, he's a good recruiter, so he said, see it as interview practice. And back then, I guess I was younger and more arrogant, and I thought, that's a good idea. <laughs> I, can, I can use these interviews you know, as a kind of leapfrog. And so I went to a couple of interviews, and the first few ones, I won't name companies, I think they've gone now actually uh, they were working on some ps2 stuff and it was kind of what i expected they had no ik everything was in fk and the rigs are very simple you could count the polygons and it was really not what i was looking for uh, then i had this interview at a company called just our monsters uh, now called ninja theory uh, and yeah. yeah this is when they were under the banner of argonaut before um, becoming uh, independent and they showed me this early pitch fizz for a game called Heavenly Sword. And I had never seen anything like that mm. in video games at that point in time. Here was a character that looked iconic and unique and a female character as well, which also was, you know, at the time there was Lara Croft, but there wasn't that much, much else. else. Yeah. Yeah. So this seemed like a very special project and a very special company to me. So they showed me that and I was just, I was how old? I must have been 21 years old at the time. Just like, oh, I want this job. <laughs> Trying to be kind of cool about it. Yeah. And I remember being asked in the interview uh, 
so why are you using this as a leapfrog to get into movies? <laughs> I was like, oh no. <laughs> That's ratting me out, huh? Do I just have a label, you know, is it on my t-shirt or something like that? <laughs> um, but thankfully they had shown me this trailer because it just captured everything that I was looking for, a unique character in a unique setting telling a unique story, something that has meaning and purpose, not just a generic, yeah, another generic character. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so thankfully at the time I had done a test for another company and had an offer with them. So, which I was semi-interested in accepting, but then Ninja Theory, or just the Monsters at the time, they, uh, they wanted to expedite the process, sent me the offer shortly after the interview. I immediately accepted, didn't play it cool at all. <laughs> 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 and um, yeah, started uh, like a month later or something like that. Wow. Yeah, and started so joining the early days on Heavenly Sword. So, Rick, uh, you had a question? Yeah, no, I just, I think uh, there's a, a great gold nugget. I just want, there's, there's so much, but what he says, uh, a unique character, unique setting and, and, you know, creating something that really appealed to him. I, you know, was it coincidence, whatever, but when, you know, any young artists, uh, you know, doing interviews or looking for those opportunities, realize how, if that happens, like, that's a great opportunity for them. And I think you got that. I mean, Heavenly Sword is amazing, right? It's a female character. That's why we created Lisa. What it was like, you know, almost mm. 10 years ago, we created mm. Lisa because it's, it's, it was really trying to uh, go above and beyond. So it was, it's amazing that you got that opportunity. So, yeah, yeah. I was pretty fortunate to be honest, because it's, it's still a great studio um, looking to do new things. And at that time, yeah, I, I, there were really not many places around trying to be so ambitious. Uh, I really felt like they were trying to do something special within the games industry. And I, to be honest, I've never looked back. Like for every studio I've been at, there's always new and exciting opportunities. And the games industry as a whole provides so much potential. And we haven't even seen half of what's to come yet. Of the amount of projects... Uh, we even talked before recording the, the way the technology is going. It's such a dynamic industry. The people are awesome. And yeah, not to kind of say movies are bad. I, I still, you know, I still watch movies and still love them. But I, uh, I never get tired of the process that we go through making games, even though it can be an absolute nightmare sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but you love the process, right? <laughs> it's part of your craft is loving the process. I, I, I do. Yeah, I mean, if it what, if it was easy all the time, you're not learning yeah. at the end of the day. So, yeah, yep. thankfully, it's uh, it's it's always a good feeling that you know, even if you you feel like you're stuck half the time, you get through those moments, and then you realize you just learn a lot of stuff. So. Now, you were. It sounds like you were fairly young in the industry when you first joined that ninja theory. Is that correct? Yeah, tw- I would have been 21. I didn't take a gap year or anything like that. I was in a, you know, a, a, I, I was trying to get to what I wanted to do as quickly as possible. I was right. 10 when I wanted to be an animator. So. <laughs> he was I wasn't ha- yeah. yeah, I wasn't hanging around. But even young in your regards to your skill set too, it sounds like. Yeah. How I, did you get into a company like that? What was it that they saw in your reel? Was it, what was it that they saw maybe in you? And how did you get into something like that that you felt was, I mean, that was pretty ambitious of a, of a project for them to go, hey, look, we want to hire you. Yeah, so I think they probably saw the same kind of thing that I saw in them that 
I had a drive to be working on unique characters. Mm. My short film, I mean, it's old and terrible by today's standards. Students do, students do much better work. But I think back then, uh, they just really liked it. And they liked that I had two characters that were quite different from each other. It was like an old man and a puppy. And uh, kind of, a, yeah, there's some tension going on. Um, it's terrible. I, I don't want to talk too much about it. <laughs> but I think it, the visuals were good enough that they were like, hey, this guy has a good eye. Mm-hmm. And we feel like, you know, we can kind of trust him to come in and we can teach him. Because I didn't know anything about combat. I didn't know anything about video games mm-hmm. either. So it was a risk for them. But, uh, you know, they were in the process of signing a really big project. So I think they could afford to take a few risks. And, um, yeah, they put me on Noriko right away, main character. <laughs> um, I mean, we didn't have any other characters to animate, so we were all on uh, Noriko. But uh, we were three animators at the time. And uh, the other two guys are actually still there. Guy Midgley, he's now anim director there, and Matt Stoneham. He was animating, but now he's a principal technical, technical animator. And we were all animating on this character, and they wanted to move me on to combat. And I was freaking out because I, I didn't know anything about combat. I didn't do any martial arts. Well, I did as a kid, but I sucked at them. Uh, <laughs> they're slightly smaller usually than the other kids. And, you know, just like, I just want to draw. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be thrown on the mat all the time. I did judo. I was okay, okay at it. But, yeah, it's, um, it wasn't something that I had been doing for long enough to feel comfortable with it. And I have this, you know, imposter syndrome you know, always there a little bit. So it was a process to dive in and start learning that. And thankfully I did because I ended up growing so much. You know, we talked about that process of video games of just constantly new things coming up. Well, learning combat for me was one of the best things that ever happened to me because I ended up loving the dynamism of it and just the number of different things that that touches upon in, within game development. But at the beginning, I was like, just give me the walk cycles and the run cycles. That's something I feel like I could do. <laughs> like, now, we want you to explore combat. <laughs> so, what were some of the biggest challenges early on learning? Yeah, so I remember early on, we had to do, we had to find the style for Noriko and for the game as a whole. And like I said, I'd never done that. So they were asking me to do things which, well, I didn't know how to do. Like, how do you swing a sword properly? And also, how do you make it appropriate for a video game? I was trying to create things which were a bit too slow. So I learned that in video games, things need to be reactive. I didn't know that at the time. So I was trying to make things faster and hold the poses. And it just looked really bad. I was looking at the lead animator who was doing some really nice stuff. I noticed that he was doing these moving holds where the pose would kind of hit, but then it would go slow. And it didn't just, you know, it didn't get that staccato movement. Mm. It was fast, but it felt fluid as well. So I started trying to emulate that. And I was just looking at and another animator joined and he was doing some awesome stuff. I would grab their files and try to figure out, ooh, how did that work? And how did this work? Yeah, it's so a nice thing about computer animation. You can just, you know, steal people's files and go in and <laughs> look at the graph editor and look at where they put the keys and try and figure it out. So that's exactly what I was doing because I was desperate to not be, you know, the, the, the bad one in the team. <laughs> so basically you were just uh, reverse engineering others and learning from it. Yeah, exactly. Because 
at that point in time, combat was my biggest challenge. I remember the lead animator telling me that I was moving the hips in a weird way. I was kind of moving them together like this sometimes, mm. yeah. and everything should feel connected. You know, the contrapposto idea, which I realized at that point I hadn't learned enough in university. Apparently, <laughs> I had a, <laughs> had a decent eye, but these concepts were kind of alien to me at the time. So I, I was just going through this massive growth spurt and you could see it in my work and I was getting positive feedback from the creative director and the lead artist. Um, and I ended up cap capturing something in the combat, the attitude which the creative director and the lead artist really enjoyed. There was a certain attitude that I was giving to uh, Noriko because that's something that I could bring at that point, even if I wasn't I hadn't mastered combat, uh, but I did understand a thing or two about characters. So I was putting a bit more ferocity behind the actions, trying to make the end poses look as cool as I could. And amazingly, they ended up saying, this guy has captured something here. Let's start exploring that and trying to match that a little bit more. Uh, and that was you know, I was like, what? <laughs> What's like, going sure. on? <laughs> yeah. Why do you like me? What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was actually good because I started to get, you know, more confidence that, hey, I can do this. I'm learning a lot here and they're liking what I'm doing. Uh, so I started to do more of it and eventually ended up being given another main character, Kai. And I ended up owning that character because Narika was kind of spread out. It was too much for one person to do. Uh, so a lot of animators worked on Narika. But Kai, I got to own most of the, the animations for her. Mm. So it was a whole nother thing to learn. Like, how do you build all of these different systems that I'd never worked on before? Uh, and how do you make another unique character within the game uh, kind of stand out on her own merit? Because she was playable as well. So I had to create work with designers and programmers uh, a lot closer to make sure that this character felt as good as the main character as well. Uh, I ended up falling in love with that character. She, Alex Tiny, the art director, just did an amazing job. Uh, she still looks good today, I think. Um, she's kind of this cat-like character. We gave her these you know, kind of weird postures. Um, and even when she would start running, I'm not sure if we shift the game with that, but I tried having her on all fours for a little bit. So that was interesting. Like, How do you balance those moments uh, just to bring out something unique? Uh, which we hadn't seen in the game before. Yeah, very cool. Mm -hmm. What I love about your story too is uh, obviously you're an, an instructor here for our, our games animation. It's neat to hear you having to go through that learning process. And, and I feel like in your classes, you're able to relate with these guys and gals who are coming in. You're like, okay, look, I know how to kind of break it down a little bit because I've had to go through those growing pains and you know, kind of jumping into uh, deep water, so to speak, and, and uh, learning how to figure that out. And now you're able to not only be able to pass it on, but uh, empathize, so to speak, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. Process, you know? It's an important part, I think, of being an instructor that you understand where each person's coming from because you can't teach different people in the same way. Everyone learns at their own pace, they have their own experience, and they see things differently. So you can give the same feedback to different people, but they're going to understand it differently right. as well. Right. So being sensitive to each individual, I think, is super important. And we're all creative people as well. So sometimes we can 
get quite attached to what we do. And, <laughs> you know, you don't want to upset anyone, but you also need to be honest and clear at the same right. time. So, yeah, I, I try to be as sensitive as I can. And I, I've heard from uh, people that I work with that I used to do almost like I animate the um, video reviews for people that would apply more for juniors. Uh, if they didn't get the job, if they took the time to do the test, I would do a video review for them. Oh, very cool. Yeah, yeah I remember that we so talked nice. about that when when uh, when we were bringing Ricky on, on board and we talked about that. And that was one thing that like resonated at a deep level that he took the time. Even before, it's like he had a natural ability and a natural want to help others. And I was like, someone like with that experience, the talent and the care is right. really represents what the what is important for I anime and what right. we're trying to do. And, and, and like, I mean, again, thank you for being like that. It's so awesome. And yeah. Students are lucky to have uh, someone like that. Yeah. yeah thank you. Uh, yeah. I guess that all started when I was kind of thrown into, it was on heavenly sword. I had to help out the Sony guys who were helping us uh, to kind of ramp them up on that project. Uh, they were animating Nariko and Kai and a bunch of other stuff as well. So at the time they were helping finishing a multi. Uh, several different projects so they need to be motivated and understand the style and we were also trying to you know finish the project so how do you kind of balance doing your own work whilst helping others and I think that that is what kind of got me uh, propelled into being made principal at the beginning of Enslaved um, which was pretty awesome because I did enjoy that process of helping people because you know, it's difficult to make games and it's difficult to learn as well. It's, if it's easy, then, you know, it just means you're doing the same thing over and over. So uh, I think it is important to have people that have gone through that, you know, help the people that are coming up. Cause I feel like uh, I've had people that have helped me through this um, since I've been in the industry and those people always stand out to me. So I try and help wherever I can and, not be grumpy, even though sometimes <laughs> with kids, you know, you're tired and you're like, what? <laughs> I got to finish my work. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I love being a part of this school as well. It's always awesome to meet new people and, you know, hearing their stories and uh, just where they're coming from. Because the course workshop, so I'm teaching workshop three, right? And it's, it's difficult. There are lots of pr different aspects to what students have to do. You're learning character animation, but you're also learning story and camera work. So complex choreography going on as well. So there's a lot of moving parts to, like you learn a lot. <laughs> yeah. so, so, so if I was there like, oh, this is terrible. No, you don't do that. People are just gonna get super stressed out, but uh, I feel like I have to be there as a, um, uh, kind of a producer as well mm -hmm. like okay be ambitious this is your project that you're doing but then I've gone through this with other people before I've gone through this myself so I have an idea of what I think can be achievable within the time gotcha. and I always ask students to send me their prior work as well before doing the course because uh, that just helps me That's understand nice where they're coming from yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, faster. So yeah, I definitely have people coming in super ambitious and it's always fun to hear. And I'm like, okay, love the idea. Now let's try and, but, you know, take yeah. this idea and still make it awesome, but get to the core of it. Just bring it. Let's, right, right. Where's, where's the real piece? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, it has to be achievable because in the real world, it has to be achievable. Yeah. We, we 
we we being as ambitious as we possibly can, but at the end of the day, we're making these games for a living. We're getting paid to do it, and a publisher usually is paying a developer to make it. So if you're not delivering your work on time, you know, you've got some problems. Yeah. <laughs> um, so boss, I, I feel I'm like I'm super ambitious though. I'm super ambitious, boss. Right, right. <laughs> it's not going to pay the bills. Yeah. That's actually what our, our logo at Ubisoft for uh, 2020 ambition. Oh, um, cool. And, yeah. and, and then, yeah, it is actually, you know, as ambition. And then I'm always like, okay, it's good, but, but. let's make sure it can, guys, I, I want it to be done, but it has to be done within this time frame. And here's, and then right. like a producer, I'm like, are we on budget? You know, like, yeah, yeah. like okay, guys, please, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll tighten, we'll make the shot tight. You know? Yeah. Uh, it's like practical ambition. There yeah, you go. Yes. Well, extremely well said. Extremely well said. So, okay. What was it, or when was it, I should say, that you kind of started clicking with games? So at first you're saying, hey, look, I, I, I didn't want to get into CG, and then you get pulled into CG, and then you get, I didn't want to do games, and I got pulled into games. What, what, when was it that you started going, okay, I'm digging this now. I, I'm, in, I'm enjoying hmm. the process and such. You know, this might sound weird, but I think it was actually uh, when I started working on Just Cause 3, uh, so I'd already been in the industry for over 10 years. Oh, I wow. love, you know, I love working in Ninja Theory. I love those games, but I'll admit, I don't think I really dive deep into being a good game developer because I, you know, we talked about, um, you know, developing characters and the directors like that. So I started to do more and more previews. Anyone who's seen my reel, I have clips of, we, we call them style tests where I take a character and kind of, figure out how do they move, talking with the creative director, art director, lead animator, anyone, you know, designers, anyone who, you know, had things, interesting things to add. Uh, and then I'd make a video of that. So it was always a little bit on the sidelines. I did gameplay animation as well. I certainly did IGCs, so in-game cinematics. Um, but I wasn't focused on that. When I joined Avalanche Studios in New York uh, on Just Cause 3, I became more of a gameplay animator and working very closely with programmers. So that was another you know, learning process there. How do we make Rico fun and responsive and give the player the freedom to do anything they want at any moment that they want? Uh, that's, I, didn't, I didn't feel like I uh, had quite so many challenges. Uh, prior to that. So that was the moment where I was just, wow, there's like a whole nother complex complexity to making games here that I feel like I hadn't explored. And working so closely with the programmers was enabling me to put even more detail into the, the characters that I was making. So I could make these little moments happen that I didn't know how to do because either the state machine would have been too complex or the code just didn't exist and I didn't know how to write it. So yeah, I'd say it's actually quite late after oh, 10 years where I, I suddenly went, hey, I can achieve a lot here with the right programmers around me. Uh, we're adding stuff, little subtle things in here that I can do in Maya. But, you know, it's a, a different ball game in a way once you get it into game. I, I know that's another thing I realized at that moment, get into the game <laughs> as quickly <laughs> as you possibly can. 
when I was a ninja theory, I was like, oh, I'll just make it look nice in Maya it and then good. I export it. it. Looks yeah, it looks, yeah, it looks great. Look at it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but then look at it just from this angle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then it goes in game and you're like, well, don't rotate the camera. Uh, the, yeah, player I, sh- the player shouldn't do that. He needs yeah. to do this. The player, you're going to tell the player what to do, right? Like, yeah. I remember I remember actually my brother when I got into video games asking, how do you know what to animate? Like, how do you know which buttons the player's going to press? Like, wh- when you do a run cycle, at what point do you, you animate the jump? I was like, oh, where do I start? <laughs> you know, no, he's in theater. He has no idea about how video games work. But I realized at that point, oh, yeah, I guess it is kind of weird and specialist, the way we kind of make these little weird jigsaw puzzles and then the player freely makes whatever puzzle they want. Right. Um, yeah, and I think that kind of hit hard, that idea, when I was working on JC3. And, um, yeah, ended up really enjoying that process, working closely with programmers, because I could do more. Mm-hmm. make the video game itself look better do you um, find uh, like i think this is a really quick one jump into yeah, this no, no. And, and, mm-hmm. and i find that you are at a place where where it's very interesting i'm like you know um do you find now that you're looking at game development as your art like as just another tool to express the creativity of developing a story of a character versus like when you start, many animators start and look at animation as this is what I'm using to create my story, just animation and work in Maya, right? Mm. But now I find yeah. I'm listening to, to Ricky, which is a great name, by the way. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> anyone, anyone, you know, but I find not listening to you is like now you're, you, it feels like you have expanded and, and, and evolved uh, your, your, uh, your, your, your art form is that it's not just animation, but it's using you know, the whole game development to, to produce is like, is, is that true? I mean, or is this me like hearing something that's totally different? Like, what do you think about that? I think it's totally true. Uh, like I said about this jigsaw puzzle, we're not directing a specific series of events. We're letting the player kind of direct the moment as it were. So trying to make that moment feel as visceral and unique as we possibly can is what drives me because going back to wanting to be a 2d animator and create these unique moments it's easy well, you know, easy yeah. you know, in, in movies or vfx you just have, have that shot and the audience is going to see that so you really hone in a very specific idea whereas in video games if you're if you're doing cinematics you can kind of do that but if you're in gameplay uh, which i've predominantly done it's the player that's creating those moments so how do you start to inject more specificity to these moments is what I find really interesting. And that's hard to do because it's expensive. It's usually the things which are secondary to player mechanics, just getting the basics going, right? That's hard enough, let alone if the character's running down a hill, like how they feel about that. Are they sliding or, you know, how are they reacting to all the little bumps? But it's those little moments when you can do them and you do them well that starts to bring something more specific to your mm-hmm. game and that moment. So those things are still, it's the early days of exploring that and new technology is going to help animators to dive deep into this and start making video games feel, generic sounds too harsh. I, I don't think video games are generic, but in the past they've suffered from that. That's when I was looking at it, um, you know, back in PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2 days, animation sets were a lot simpler these days we can do a lot more with it and the technology enables that too. more 
RAM and memory to just load in a lot of content so that we can start making our characters feel more alive and more specific to each moment. So that's yeah, definitely something that has kept me interested in this particular medium because it's like getting new toys every new, we've got next generation coming uh, later yeah. this year and it's like, awesome. <laughs> what, what can we do now? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, there's some amazing stuff coming. Yeah. Now when so, you say animation sets, can you explain that to me for somebody and maybe the audience that isn't quite as familiar with game development? Sure, so each character is made up of different mechanics and animation sets that go with that mechanic. So just running around, you have an animation set. It's like a collection of animations. You'll have your basic loops of a walk, a run, maybe a jog, um, and then you have all of your transitions going in and out. Uh, I'm sure Rick is looking at me going, ooh, not anymore with motion matching. <laughs> but <laughs> traditionally, no, I mean, that's... No, no, you, we're still doing it, right? There's, uh, yeah. there's a big subject we can talk about, but it's still valid, extremely valid. So, sorry, continue. Yeah, so it's the idea of um, just having a collection of animations. You could say these are our locomotion animations. These are our combat with sword animations. These are our shooting with machine gun animations. And you have all of these different ways of connecting those moments as well, because maybe you can run while shooting or run while swinging the sword. Uh, so it does become a kind of spider's web, and that's where you need awesome programmers and uh, just thinking about things in a logical way so that you don't make a complete mess. Because <laughs> <laughs> when you want to add in new things, that can be a big problem. Gotcha. Uh, so, you know, managing things as you go along. As a game animator, that's another part that I like. Uh, it, I feel like in, in movies, you, you know, like say you get your shots. You do need to be aware, obviously, of the shot that came before and after. But essentially you can kind of do whatever you want with the rig to get it done. Uh, in video games, you, you know, you're bound by that skeleton that ends up getting put into the game. Sure, you can make it in different ways, but... Uh, you can't just deform it. Like in film, you could like, for this shot, I feel like scaling the head so it just right. looks better to camera. You can't yeah. do that in game. Like, oh, just for this animation, I'm going to scale the character's head and... Exactly. And then when you add things like uh, multiplayer, uh, when players can see your character running around, things like foot sliding and all of that. It's, uh, I mean, we still have a lot to do to solve issues like that. But um, yeah, there's a, a lot more challenges, more technical challenges uh, involved. Gotcha. It's pretty awesome. So, okay, Rick, yeah. what was he addressing here? So now, so we've talked about yeah. animation sets, yeah. the future and some of the stuff that you're talking about here. What, what is that? You, like procedural and match moving like yes. oh man god it's like this i won't go too deep just okay. tell us I, your I secrets <laughs> yeah yeah let me tell you all the secrets of my teams are working on we're doing amazing stuff which uh, i would love to talk about that but uh, so basically it's um i'm going to try to find the best way i can say this without putting too much information uh you're getting data Right. So you have, example, a clip of a guy just running back and forth. And there's a great GDC talk from Ubisoft that uh, I think is online that shows a, a robot running around. So it's providing, uh, you know, engine data of a character doing a, a set of motions, which the computer will pick the right motion at real time, at runtime. So so that instead of having like a bunch of example, let's say um, 
you know, running, running, banking right, running, banking left, you know, slow down you know, right foot forward, slow down left foot forward. Instead of creating all those animations, uh-huh. we actually, uh, especially with motion capture, which is a huge topic, I think it's very important that we, we talk about this. We will motion capture, capture that set, like, or capture all the movements in one big block and then prov- put that into the engine. And then, you know, with proper code and a crazy setup, we can actually let the computer find when's the best time or what piece of animation would blend perfectly or and, and be seamless and it'll just look like it'll be it'll be amazing gotcha so gotcha yeah. okay so that that was kind of a you know so going too deep but yeah. right right so yeah. essentially you're having to animate the transitions as much you're still doing the sets but less on the transitions to get from one set exactly. to another okay exactly yeah yeah, you guys call them dance cards, right? So yes, you dance have cards, like a yes. certain choreography. And the nice thing about that setup is, you, know, you guys use a lot of motion capture, but the nice thing is you could replace that with anything that you want. Essentially, you could, it'd be hard, but you could hanky that and still get those transitions for free, uh, which is the exciting thing about that because it saves you time setting that up. Like you have usually at least one or two people spending the entire project working on the base locomotion set in a traditional environment. Whereas with new technology like this, you can expedite that process to, you know, a much shorter period of time. Uh, so new tech like that just enables animators, even though it sounds kind of scary, like it's doing what now? It <laughs> <laughs> enables you to actually focus on the performance and adding in more, like next generation, awesome. We can just add in another 10,000 animations and we don't have to worry so much about these little transitions that eat up a lot more time. Yeah. Ima- imagine, right? You can, with, you know, the dance cards, like, okay, so everyone knows about it. Great. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> but imagine like you have your character and your character is evolving. You can actually create a set or, you know, a piece of the mm. character. It's, uh, you know, at, at phase one, you know, in the first part of, of the game and in the story, the story arc, the character moves like this. And then something happens, they evolve, they grow, whatever. You can literally just get another dance card and, and the character would feel like they evolve and change. Like, gotcha. But if we would do it now, the, the traditional way where just creating animations, that would mean like a whole unique like team just building <laughs> complete new cycles, complete new, it would yeah, take yeah. a long, long time. But we can cut that dramatically mm. and like Rick was saying we can actually focus on what we're really trying to do is create a you know a, a very engaging memorable a game that will you know impact the players you know life you know like oh my god this is an amazing game so that's we can focus mm-hmm. more on on that so mm-hmm. there's a there's so much you can do like the more you educate yourself um there's so much you can you can do and, and there's room there's so much room to grow in the industry so uh, gotcha. No one should be scared. They should they should be more embrace it and and be hungry about gotcha. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's getting more and more contextual and getting that emotional response moment to moment in the game that the player is having. That we're starting to see that on the characters within the game as well, which is pretty awesome. It's not. I don't think it's scary at all when you start thinking about it for any length of time. It's actually super exciting because we get to do more with the characters. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. Gotcha. And it's awesome, you know, the, you know, Ubisoft is uh, spending a lot of money, you know, trying to push these things as well. Um, I think we can, you know, it's, it's just awesome at GDC seeing those talks coming out. Um, I think you're right. There are some free ones online that talk about the dance cars. That's where I heard yes. that term from. Yeah. Um, super exciting. 
So Love that stuff. Um, you said you're at Avalanche right now? No, 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 so I, no, no yeah. I was at Avalanche. Uh, then I left Avalanche to join a small developer called Define Studios. Uh, we were working on Lords of the Fallen 2, uh, which sadly was taken away. Um, so we ended up, the entire company, uh, joining. Thankfully, people can fly. A Polish developer was looking to expand into the US, been wanting to do that for a number of years. And uh, <coughs> they saw, hey, there's this small, super senior team uh, now just available. Um, so we we started, we, we joined the team helping on Outriders um, and just jumped on board to, you know, start learning uh, the ways that they were working. Like I said, um, I think prior to recording, we were learning in the animation team, Motion Builder, uh, working with some motion capture, also doing hand-keyed animation in motion, motion Builder as well. Okay. Which I'd never done. <laughs> None of us had. So that was... Uh, that was interesting. In the beginning, it was quite tricky, <laughs> you know, because uh, Motion Builder is uh, is a very powerful tool, especially for motion capture. It has a lot of awesome stuff, um, but we didn't know a lot of it. And the guys in Poland were awesome. They were super helpful. Lead animator Lucas Zapata was really patient with us, and they know that software inside and out. So anytime we have problems, we could do like uh, um, uh, hangout calls with them. Uh, and they were always super patient with us because there were times we were like, yo, can we just use Maya <laughs> you know, in the first, <laughs> first few weeks? Please. Uh, yeah, by the end of it, we were like, hey, this is awesome. We, we want to use both. Like now we understand the strengths and the weaknesses gotcha. of both softwares. Uh, so, so that was pretty cool. Uh, and yeah, we, so Outriders has just had a bunch of reveal trailers, which is awesome. It's always a really nice period when you know, the game, even though I've not been working on this for that long, relatively speaking, uh, it's just a really nice moment when the thing you've been working on gets revealed and people can see it. You can kind of send it to your mom and go, hey, maybe she, you know, it's not her kind of her thing, but I can have that moment where I can just share it with people and uh, see what you've been doing behind yeah. closed doors. Yeah. You know, uh, again, another something vital, which, um, which, uh, you know, we talk about how the industry is growing and, and, and evolving, right? It's yeah. not just changing, but it's evolving. And the importance of, uh, you know, obviously the tools, the softwares and, and motion capture, the fact that more and more studios, you know, even Ubisoft, we, we don't just uh, use one software, we use multiple softwares, mm -hmm. but the fact that you guys uh, took that for step forward and not being shy to use motion right. builder and keen in motion builder, like motion builder, uh, motion capture. It's still an extreme young age. I, I will repeat that. And if you are not paying attention, you're going to, there's a huge movement that's happening. And if you're not paying, you know, not to pay attention, not aware, uh, you might get left behind. So uh, like the fact that you guys, like even like Ricky, you know, so uh, like an amazing keyframe animator um, using a new tool and, you know, embracing it and moving forward. Like that is something I hope everyone will listen to. And I'm happy that you said it. And it wasn't, it wasn't us saying like, Hey, guys, you, need yeah. to, <laughs> you know, continue growing your skills. So mm -hmm. that was, that's just amazing that you, you brought that up. Yeah. Yeah, I think there are still a lot of animators who, I was one of them, to be honest, who kind of look at motion capture and go, ooh, I don't, I'm not interested in motion capture. I just want to hang key stuff. Like, yeah, I want to shoot some reference and lay down some keyframes and work in the graph editor and 
do it that way. That's a really slow process. <laughs> and, and it's great, but games are getting bigger and bigger. And at the end of the day, what I think most animators actually want to do is bring real life into a character. You know, the process can be fun, but you know, 2D animators, stop motion animators, motion capture animators, tanky animators, they're all just creating a character at the end of the day and just using different methods to get there. Right. Um, but hanky animation is a, you know, it takes a long time. So I, I didn't actually work with motion capture until um, moving to the US and working on uh, Just Cause 3. That was my first experience with it. And at first I was like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm losing a little bit of creativity here. Uh, and then I realized, you know, there's so much to change, not always, but that it's a whole new challenge. And it's still just about creating characters. And you, there are things that then you don't need to worry about as much. Yeah. Instead of, am I getting the weight shifts right? Uh, does this have a natural feeling to it? You're worried more about the performance, like the heart of it. And so I, I found I was able to get to the end goal a lot quicker. I ended up you know, really liking it. And now I never want to key, hand key an idle, uh, idle animation ever again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, just give me some motion capture, any motion yeah. captures, some movement that I can build from, from there. Gotcha. And you said like the performance, like, like animators or, and you know, any artists that like using motion capture data and say, oh, I'm not doing anything. You should look at that. This is, this is my, my starting, right? This is like an old house that I'm going to renovate and I'm going to bring it to another to another level of beauty, right? Mm. You can add performance within there. You can improve the performance. You can, you can um, extract more of the, the character. You know, if the, if the actor did something, you know, like he's just like, I, I don't know. He just did that. And you're like, I don't know. And you just want to enhance that. Well, that's mm. more for a film. Um, you can do like you animators that are open-minded to that will actually take uh, some data, you know, motion capture data and bring it to a place where very few thought of bringing it, but you have to be open-minded to it. And that was, that will actually, um, your career will thrive if you embrace that idea. You need to be a great animator, like have a phenomenal foundation, you know, understand, you know, performance, acting, uh, you know, body mechanics and all that, but take all that knowledge and apply it on, on a performance that's already been developed. Are you okay? You're safe, right? There's no ambulance. I'm wondering right. who the, the police are after. Yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's not me, so I've got to figure it's one of you Someone about motion capture. It's like, motion capture, woo, woo, you know? Get him, but, guys. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm used but, to it now. I kind of like, what? Yeah, <laughs> I didn't hear nothing. <laughs> but anyways, that was what I wanted to say about motion capture and taking that and, and that that is part of future. I mean, keyframing will not, is not going away. It's going to be, there's going to be, um, I foresee a, a, an adjustment uh, for keyframing and how, how we're going to do that, but it's not going away, but, uh, but yeah, wonderful. But particularly wonderful. for games though, where you're there 15, 20, 30 hours on some of those ones there that are just, you go, you, that's a lot of keyframe animation. So you're having to yeah. get there quicker to the end product. So mm -hmm. um, I can see with a medium that, like I said, that are versus film, that's an hour and a half, you know, um, mm. you're going to need to get there quicker. <laughs> yeah. And at the end of the day, the, some of the coolest stuff to animate is the hardest to motion capture. So, you know, Big stunts like Rico, they tried motion capturing some of the like grappling hook parachute, but you can't. It's 
you, right. Yeah. I think some of it was used as a base, which is you know good for JC3, but for JC4, I ended up taking over those key mechanics. Uh, I worked on wingsuit in JC3, but the grappling hook and parachute I didn't <laughs> touch. For JC4, I did, and I ended up you know starting again from scratch on that stuff just to bring out more of an iconic um, look and feel. Uh, and I found that a lot easier to do with hand keying it. Uh, and the other aspect, of course, is creatures. We have a, a lot of them in Outriders. And like I said, we use a motion builder to hand key that. Uh, I still am a lot faster in Maya. I have my workflow down in that. But the creatures, you know, that's that can be hard to get good motion capture, mm. you know, especially if you start adding more legs and things like that, changing the design. Um, making things more unique and interesting because you can make things, you know, it's just a weird looking human and motion capture that. But if everyone's doing that because it's easier and faster, <laughs> then you're not going to get something that's unique, right? right so right. I think there, I agree, Rick, there's definitely a place for uh, hanky animation now and for a very long time. Yes. Now, what is this game, Outriders? I'm not quite familiar with it. If you can talk about it and just some of the yeah, process. So there's a bunch of uh, reveal trailers and gameplay footage um, that's been put out there over the last week, actually. Uh, it's an RPG shooter uh, co-op, uh, one to three players. So you play with your friends, you have a bunch of different, I think they've revealed uh, two or three uh, of the uh, different classes that you can pick because uh, you, you know, you've got these awesome guns, but you have these crazy abilities as well. Um, it's early days in terms of announcements, so I, I wouldn't want to, you know, uh, say too much. But uh, you get to ex <laughs> you get to explore this awesome-looking alien world. The story is really cool. Uh, it looks amazing as well. Nice. This, the quality of the cinematics is that's the developers, but also Unreal Four. That the the engine is phenomenal. Uh, the quality that we're seeing now, the look that you can get in these cinematics. I love playing around with the depth of field because now it looks mm, great. When, cool. I, when I was doing that uh, back at Ninja Theory, this was Unreal 3, it kind of looked like a bad Photoshop blur. Like if you blur it and then do a 50% fade, yeah. it didn't look correct. But now you add this stuff in, it just feels so cinematic. Cool. So yeah, it, it's really got that uh, polished cinematic look. Um, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. It, yeah. I think that's cool. Cause, uh, that's something you also talk a lot about in your workshop, right? You, mm. you talk a lot about, you know, composition yes. and setting up and, and I'm, 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 I'm thinking that some of that's going to show in, in the game you've been working on. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to the game itself. Uh, you know, checking that out. Cool. Yeah, I did get to do, so we in New York, we were focused uh, primarily on some creature spawns and we got to have some fun with uh, some camera work, not on all of them, but some, for some special moments, uh, just to highlight that, depending on, you know, uh, which moment, uh, where you're at in the level. So that's always fun to take control because then you can direct that experience. And as you say, it's exactly like what students will go through in workshop three, uh, working with camera work. How do you frame things? When do you bring um, characters in? How do you direct the attention so it's not a complete mess and the, <laughs> audience, the audience on the player gets to see the right thing at the right time using depth of field, using different lens types. I just love all that stuff. I could Very cool. you know, do some camera. I, I would never want to 
and you know I, I just love all of it <laughs> <laughs> I, I like doing the gameplay stuff i like doing the cinematics uh i kind of like doing both it's just always because you're a nice game to... developer now right you're like right. you're not you're i mean you're always you know by trade you're you started your trade in animation but you grew mm. from there and now you're doing animation you're doing camera work you're looking at performance you're looking at you know you're using other elements other than just animation using the sound and you know you're actually yeah. uh, i find that um how i feel what i'm getting from you is that you're actually um casting your character and showcasing that what you what you find is the value of the character to the audience so they can be engaged mm. and that you know as a, as a game developer you know we talked about this you know you, you know you're i'm an animator by trade uh i used to be a pure animator like you know like i just want to keyframe that's it but now you know um you know as a director as a game developer like i use everything uh in my disposal and i love every aspect and i'm just hearing ricky says i just love everything and i <laughs> i i feel the love i'm like me too man I, i i love going i was in the editing booth and i was like okay guys let's let's work on the editing right now and then i'll go to the you know to the, to the audio team and work with audio directors we'll you know work on sound design and i just like i love every aspect of of development you know the marketing mm. everything so that's that's awesome yeah there's a part of game development that's always fun which is previs because mm -hmm. you get to you know you talked about working with sound design and like vfx character guys at the uh the beginnings of projects and even throughout the project i ne i always like to do previs even if it feels like wait we're not concepting anymore but if an idea comes up that might be better and you can kind of squeeze in some previs i think that's always a good idea mm -hmm. and it's something that comes up in the in class as well students will do i think i have two weeks one or two two weeks of previs where i give them like cylinder people to animate in place of like if they want to animate lisa they can animate previous person like uh, a song to validate their ideas to prove it right that, yeah that's that's do key it, do it quickly and uh, i love that process in the development when you are exploring these ideas it's super creative and you get to work with sound designers and vfx guys and designers it just animation touches on so many different disciplines that you're always engaging and collaborating uh you're never just sat at your desk focused on you know making this run cycle look good it's like okay working with a designer how fast should it be uh what does the character look like can they run or are they still you know impeded by the design of massive shoulder pads or whatever it may be yeah. <laughs> now um, this uh people can fly is it you said is a pretty new one is that new for the poland one as well or is it new oh, from where you're at no so these guys have been around for a long time i want to say okay. Ooh, early 2000s okay um maybe 2002 something like that they made a game called painkiller bullet storm they worked on uh, they make a gears of war game gears of war judgment gotcha. uh they even worked on some fortnite stuff when they were under epic um but they they rebought themselves uh became independent again which is awesome love independent studios uh they've been in warsaw that's where the headquarters are um And they are also in, um, I'm going to get the name wrong, but Zhezhov, I okay. think is how you pronounce it, <laughs> also in Poland. Um, maybe like 40 people there. They have an awesome motion capture studio as well, mm. uh, which uh, I've, I've worked with internal motion capture before. Uh, I got to say that these guys do a really good job. We have a mix, like many studio, many big studios now 
of external expensive motion capture and the less expensive internal motion capture. And that can go, you know, one or two ways, uh, <laughs> depending, on who, depending on who's in the suit, right? But these guys really get into it. Like I've had to work with um, uh, some fighting stuff and, you know, they're not hitting each other, but you really feel it. That's cool. Uh, you know, they're being safe, but they maybe they were ex-stuntmen, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> it's cool to work with data like that because it makes all the difference. Uh, you know, we talked about that performance. Uh, if you've got too much to do, you end up, why am I using motion capture here? It's actually taking longer. Gotcha. But thankfully, the data we've been getting is awesome. So really looking forward to keep you know working with the, that team. Yeah, it sounds like you've got kind of the best of both worlds being a newly formed one in New York. So it's a kind of young in that respect, but then you also got the Experience, big brothers over there in yeah, Poland, yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, so uh, it's yeah, like yeah. great experience. talent in Poland, man. Yeah. Great talent in Poland. Yeah, there is. Yeah. yeah. Young, I should clarify the young just in terms of how long we've been, you know, under this team. Right. But this team here is actually super experienced. Right, right. Um, which is a joy. Like the um, David and Roland, the studio heads, they are a firm believer in building senior teams so that you can do uh, more with less, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really like that attitude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, uh, you know, it's, it's difficult to make games. So, you know, if you have... Um, too many moving parts that you can't track. Uh, how do you end up getting things done on time and do them good? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's yeah, something that comes up in class as well. Like, how do you manage to finish on time? It's super important. <laughs> you, want, you, want, you want to do it good, but you want to finish as well, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great point. I don't care where you're at in animation. That's, that's the key, huh? You got to get it done on time. Workflow yes. is important as well for that. And that's something which I'm super passionate about. I never stop trying to improve my own workflow. And maybe I come down on too hard on people sometimes about that. It's called uh, honesty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I don't know. I, I hear I could be quite honest. That's yeah. what I, say, I don't think it's hard. It's like, I'm just like, hey, I'm, I'm just letting you know. <laughs> It's when I see default Maya that kind of what? <laughs> it's so customizable, like use it, you know, you can use hotkeys and scripts to your advantage to get rid of some of those mundane tasks. Yeah. Uh, now, do you guys use much of um, Anabot at all in the games industry? Uh, so awesome tool set, but I actually don't use it because I have a bunch of those things. I, I have a very, let's say particular workflow again coming from that just pencil to paper idea of wanting to be just diving right in when i think something i want to be able to do it quickly i don't want to be looking at ui and clicking on things i know animbot allows you to hockey up everything and that's Mm -hmm. awesome but i already had my own tool set uh that i've kind of built over the years yeah, over the years through working with awesome technical people that are able to make my dreams come true okay. <laughs> or, or they are creating things themselves. Yeah, I love working with you know, technical animators or uh, people that know Python. Um, it, they just make your life gotcha. so much easier. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I already had a um, workflow developed uh, that I could animate very quickly. So. I, I highly encourage Animbot because for people that haven't gone through that process, it's just a, a toy set, right? That you can dive yeah. in and just, you know, pick from uh, right away. And I know yeah. people that use it love it. So, uh, yeah, 
Yeah, good, Alan did a great one. job with, yeah. with Alan Bot. Right, it's a, it's a it's a great guy too. He's really, really humble guy. I like him. Yeah, Studio Library as well is another one that yeah. I found at the beginning of Just Cause Three, because unfortunately the internal poster was not very good, and I'd been working with the internal one at Ninja Theory, which was good, uh, not as good as Studio Library. So you know, when I found that tool, I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, I use that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of use it, you know, I say I work, I, I like working in Maya, but I love the takes in Motion Builder. Mm. And Studio Library enables you to kind of work like that. If you save everything out to Studio Library, you can just bring things in yeah. when, whenever you need. Yeah. Uh, on layers, you can just bring in certain motion, like, talked about idle animations you could just bring in the idle motion and change the pose so that you have uh, a free idle animation and mm -hmm. start layering in different aspects of that to create content quickly yeah yeah, yeah. very cool now um you mentioned towards in this year that some of the new game uh systems is, now are they is that when they they ship to the companies or and you start developing on them or I'm a bit out of the loop with uh, some of the game stuff. We got a Xbox One in our home and a Switch, so those are the two that I'm. Oh, so yeah, so so yeah, um, you know, there's going to be some new game systems. Uh, the PlayStation Five, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's one in. Is that when it's releasing, or is that when it's coming out to game companies that you start developing on? Oh, we we uh, companies usually get the the kit first, right. and they can start developing mm -hmm. on it. So I won't say who has it or when they have it, but you know, some right, companies right. will get it ahead of time so they can look at the specs and they can start developing. <laughs> I'm trying to look at, look at your face now. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what you're What's talking it about. What's it got? <laughs> Tell us everything. Yeah. So companies can actually look at that and start developing on those, you know, the new system. So right. when it does launch, they, they already have new products they can like right away on on the release date say, hey, we are launching on the next next generation of consoles. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So let me ask my question again. That based upon that, is the are the systems launching later this year, or is the development toolkits launching later this year? The, the system. systems. Okay, yeah, the system. gotcha. That's what I was, yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay. The, the so, studio's been developing for 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 a while. Okay. More than <laughs> a day. I'd say more than a day. So right. Yeah, you know. <laughs> we'll so you're covered. <laughs> yeah, I'm covered. It's more than a day. You know, that's it. <laughs> that's pretty. No, I was just going to say it's pretty exciting that actually Outriders is going to be coming out on those new systems okay. as well. Because uh, the you know, very first game I worked on, Heavenly Sword, was a very early launch title for PlayStation 3. But not many people had PlayStation 3s at the time. Whereas now we've got a lot of people that have PlayStation 4s. And I'm sure the next generation, like the games industry is huge. I have no doubts that it's going to continue to expand massively. So it's really exciting that um, you know this game gets to come out on so many different platforms. Right, and right. It's just a lot of exposure, which is great. Is there anything in particular you're looking forward to in the future for gaming? I know we've touched upon some of that kind of stuff, but you know, as we mm. mentioned, the system's coming out. I don't know if there's much you can talk about that kind of stuff. Rick still seems like he's pretty incognito about it, but is there anything <laughs> that's that we can talk about that you're looking like, yeah, I'd love, I'm looking forward to this kind of stuff. So this is probably less as a developer, more as a player. It's the uh, the load times for me that are really exciting. Okay. Because I, um, you know, I, I'm I kind of say I'm a lazy gamer. So if things take too long to load, then I'm like, 
Well, uh, <laughs> Netflix, Netflix, right? <laughs> right. But the idea that we can kind of jump around and what that can do, in, even in terms of storytelling, uh, movies can go wherever they want, right? And it's not like you'd want to, you know, break too much in terms of continuity, but it enables a different kind of storytelling. Like, let's think of a movie like Pulp Fiction, where it's going from one scene to another, deliberately trying to, you know, play with time, the things that Christopher Nolan does. I think that could be harder to do. It's doable, but it's harder to do uh, in video games because of load times. Mm. So just streaming in content. So I think that's pretty exciting. Uh, again, a bit more from the, just a the player perspective. Um, what else? Yeah, we, we've kind of talked about the ability to get more contextual as a developer and as a player. I'm excited about that, how we can bring more specificity to the different moments uh, I'm really engaged, Rick, I like your word. I'm going to steal it. Engage. <laughs> engage players into video games even more um, in a way that I think is really hard to do in other mediums because movies are great, right? Uh, I, I maybe sound too negative sometimes about movies, but you are passive. You just sat there. Netflix as well. You just sat there passively being entertained. And sometimes that that's exactly what you need. Yeah. <laughs> and and but, I'm going to, yeah. yeah, sorry, go ahead. I'll, I'll yeah. jump in right afterwards. I was just going to say with video games, you're engaging and interacting. You are that character. There's something I, I, you know, kind of go on about in the course that you are this character and that character is you. So when you are taking control of the camera in certain moments, it's important to have a, or I, I feel it's important to have a certain camera style that is not, too detached from that moment because if you start uh, mimicking that passive style that is more common in movies then you're going to start to feel like this is a cinematic and i feel more engaged in the gameplay because the camera is following you around and in the cinematic suddenly something just feels different mm. like, what is it well it's because the camera style is too passive you, you don't feel engaged anymore you feel like you're back here now and then back in and right and yeah. i feel like new uh, as technology advances it becomes easier and easier for us to um explore those uh that different a different style of game god award did a great job yes. of yes. keeping you engaged in that moment without the camera cuts um, yeah, Dory. Dory, he's he's yeah. uh, he's a phenomenal uh, person. We talked. We showed some stuff to him. Uh, things I've been working on, and and like been been working on this book, and I just haven't never gotten to to finish it. But yeah, I mean, our our the technology is helping us get so close to film, and that is great. And the the difference is that game has an aspect that we can go in and out of, right? We can make you just sit down and watch the screen or we can make you engage with the screen or we can make you control the screen or we can make you run away from the screen. So you're the player and you're excited and you're trying to get away in your mm -hmm. actions. Mm -hmm. I'm actually making you try to get away, not just the, the character on screen, but you, the player, like I got to get out of here. <laughs> I can control the audience in so many ways, which in, in film you, you, you you can't like you can control the emotional state of of the person on sitting down watching but i can do the exact same thing you know in a cinematic plus i can add on top of that mm -hmm. and then now those and i and i can i can tell that ricky is at that place where he knows how he's going to do it or what are the possibilities but very few understand that that games can do that 
and you can play with that. And, and you know, how you have a story arc, you have a player arc, right? Mm. I don't, maybe I shouldn't have shared that wonderful information, but it's a gold nugget, right? <laughs> There's, you know, you know, like the uh, character on the silver screen will go through it, you know, story, there's ups and downs, you know, the player, uh, the, the, the character's journey. Well, you can have a character's journey and you can have the player's journey. Mm. Now, if you think about that and you sleep on that, now you're going to start adding, you can start playing with things. And, you know, if, you, if you're able to go into that space or know how to bring, you know, a product or a company in that space, now you're, you're actually looking at the, the potential future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and a lot, of, a lot of games will use things like skill trees as well to give player, the player the ability to direct, like you said, that player arc. And, um, yeah, the, 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 yeah, pretty sure they, they showed this already. The Outriders, you have those different classes that you can pick. So already we're giving the player the ability to say, I feel like this kind of character, you're not locked into one specific narrative. I feel like this character. And then you have this whole arc that you can explore with, okay, I want to now develop my character to be a bit more like this. And someone else goes, I want to develop my character to be a bit more like that. And another one completes, chooses a completely different class, gotcha. their own path as well. And giving that, freedom to play as I think is something which next generation just helps us do even more of. Yeah. 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 Very cool. Very cool. Rick, any other last questions before we lit? I think, uh, Ricky, could you, could you quickly explain, like if I was a, you know, a young, a young animator, which I am, I'm very young. Everyone just, just, just you know, I might have an old voice, but I'm very, very young at heart. <laughs> Um, what should I expect as a student coming to your workshop? I mean, like, I, I feel like I just want to sit in all your workshops. Yeah. I, I, I want to make more time. I have a crazy, crazy schedule um, doing so much, but I've like, what would this like, what, yeah, just tell us like what the students should expect or, you know, what are, what's, what's the fun, man? I want to be part of it. You know? <laughs> sure. So you're going to get to develop a story. Um, it's not me that's going to give that to you. You're going to get to develop a story with characters uh, from the animate uh, characters, uh, which is going to be a little bit different from if you've done workshop one or two. Workshop one, you're going to be focused more on, you know, runs and mechanics, walks. Yeah. yeah, the mechanics, which is great. You've got to learn that stuff. Workshop two, more on combat and takedowns. And then by the time you get to me in workshop three, you're going to dive deeper into these characters that you maybe already have been animating. Now it's like, okay, you want to animate Lisa? who is your Lisa? This is not just animates Lisa. This is your Lisa. What's the story that you're telling? And they're going to write a little character bio, which they may have not done before. It doesn't have to be anything crazy or complex, just something simple. And I give, you know, questions that uh, the students can ask to, you know, start generating some ideas. They're going to write their own little story. And if it's too ambitious, again, that's the point where I'm going to be like, okay, I'm going to work with the producer. Yeah. That's why you're the teacher. You're kind of, yeah. 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 You want to do 10 characters? Okay. No. Yeah. <laughs> also my says no. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, no, guys, that's not happening. Because <laughs> the, the end goal is to do um, like a, a 10 to 15 second clip of um, characters doing, you know, it could be a fight scene, right, with camera choreography going on. Uh, it doesn't have to be a fight. It could be a chase scene or anything that you want to do. It could be a button mash um, or you, sequence. Or a character introduction, right? Coming into scene, right? Exactly. And nice epic, like the stuff you've done before, like 
you know, yeah. you see like what, you know, and just mimic what would happen if it was in game. Yeah, exactly. So I've done a bunch of those. I use some of my own personal examples that I talk about. I use examples from games that do it really well. Um, I talk a lot about um, like film studies type stuff, looking at camera work from great movies. I need to grab some new content from and watch 1917. Just mm. phenomenal movie. It's amazing. It. Yeah, it's just one long take. Obviously, they filmed it in multiple sections and used cutting methods to do that, but it's just incredible. Uh, so anyone listening who hasn't seen it, I highly recommend that movie. <laughs> cool. uh, very moving as well. Um, so yeah, we look at lots of clips uh, from video games and from movies. And then I talk about things like previs. I've done a lot of that as well. And the importance of it, not just for building these uh, IGCs, but also as a developer, like why is, how has that affected my career so far? What have been the benefits? Because not every animator does it and yeah. it's hard to do as well. So we look yes. at the benefits of that. Uh, then we do a massive deep dive into animation because each assignment that I give out each week is in tune with the lectures that I'm doing. So then we really get into my personal workflow uh, you, do, which, you do it all demo like do you demo do you yeah yeah, do demo? I, yeah. yeah i love that i love that i think that's super important because you mentioned when you were in school that it wasn't as much as uh you know there was more about lectures just talking but the live demo i think is a huge yeah huge aspect of i learning. love that about i animate as well that yeah. people it's tough right to do yeah. a live demo and talk <laughs> but I, I go literally from nothing to a finished animation as an animate and you know, the class gets to see that in one lecture. Nice. Uh, usually lasts anywhere between an hour and a half to two hours. I think a couple of times I've gone over if I'm talking too much. <laughs> but I, I go over everything that I'm doing. Uh, the times that it went over is when I didn't have reference ready prepared. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, guys, so let's look. Reference, uh, yeah. reference please. Know, know what you're going to do. Plan it out. Figure it yeah. out. Understand. Right. So I... I usually like to have my reference prepared as a minimum. So I've got my keys already marked out in uh, keyframe MP. Uh, so then I'm literally just going through admire and laying down my keys and breakdowns. And then I deviate from what most animators do. And this comes from the, uh, the motion capture side of things. I start layering in a ton of animation layers. I'm using hotkeys. <laughs> I'm not clicking on those horrible buttons. I'm, I'm using hotkeys to just look at the animation and I want to move the arm differently over this section. I just hit Alt-A to throw that arm into a layer and I do it, you know, like a stop motion animator or a 2D animator would do it. Mm. They're not going to be clicking buttons and, you know, going through that whole process. So I talk whilst I'm doing it. I'm not just, you know, typing away and, the, the guys are looking at it going, what's going on? <laughs> I am constantly, I'm fairly good at talking whilst I'm animating. So uh, I go through that and then I start going into uh, more specific things like how to get good weight, um, you know, going into sine waves and jiggling different things and not just what to do, but how to do it. Again, referring to back to my workflow, how do you do these things relatively easily? Yeah. Uh, then looking at, because I'm more of a realistic hyperreal kind of animator, uh, how do you achieve that? Mm. And why is that important in the industry today? Yeah. And 
yeah, then kind Nothing of in towards stuff. the end, just yeah. go, looking more at the future. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah totally there's, a, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff. Thankfully, <laughs> students so far uh, had really positive stuff to say. So oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, that's been it. really I nice. It. I love it, yes. That's fantastic, man. All in 11 weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, yeah, there's a, a lot to, to go over. Don't sleep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're here to learn. The guys, you come to iAnimate to learn, to grow, to to for your future. You invest yeah. in yourself, so don't yeah. you know? Come committed, right? Get your uh, money's worth for sure. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, like um, if you need help uh, being held accountable, you know, you can always reach me, and trust me, I, I'll I'll gladly help with that. Right? <laughs> Very honest. <laughs> we should never stop as well. Not just yeah. new people coming in, but people in the industry. It's super important to always be learning either new technology, yep. new things. Like yeah. there's so much I haven't animated. I've animated a lot of different characters, but there's still like, you know, snake. I've never really done snakes. So. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe next I'll try that in a personal piece. Um, there you go. You know, yeah. It's always fun to try new things. That's awesome. great. Well, Ricky, we really appreciate your time. Uh, this has been fantastic. I, I love, that's why I said, you know, uh, Ricky at the very beginning, he's like, man, I looked at your roster and I was like, yikes, you got the wrong guy. Uh, <laughs> but this is exactly why you've got people in the industry that, you know, have years of experience, stuff to share. Um, and so, yeah, I really appreciate your time, man. Thanks, my pleasure. Thank and uh, yeah, people who were thinking about signing up, definitely do it. Love definitely to check it out. Work with you. All right. With that, guys, we are out. Cool.